0: Welcome to the twenty eighth episode of The Oika. I'm Stephanie Tankilisa. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week we have a
1: an update on our Cartini Day episode.
0: Which is our fourth episode. So we're officially over one years old now, guys. Yeah.
1: We wanna look back a little bit on that episode, which was a little bit of a milestone for us because it was a different approach. We went for heavily researched and telling the stories of a famous historical character. We
0: were really serious back then, guys. But I think it's nice to like have a you know look back into that i think it's still a pretty well done piece it's still relevant in many ways yeah and we just thought you know we'll have that and we'll have an update based on the upcoming kartini movie Mm -hmm. that's coming out a a big indonesian blockbuster starring indonesia's a-list actors Mm -hmm. and actresses and a male director we'll talk
1: about why that's problematic
0: (laughs) but also just a general discussion on Issues in Cartini and in feminism in general that we didn't get to talk about, and we'd like to explore further in this Reclamation Cartini Day special part two. So, here's to it. So, last year we just started out our podcast, and listening to this episode, we listened together the episode that we did together and mm-hmm. we're like oh my god it was so serious yeah we i think we definitely realized we loosened up a lot and got a lot more comfortable with our voice but i think it's still really interesting given that we took a different approach in this in which we did more of a historical style storytelling
1: it was kind of it was a lot of fun actually. Yeah,
0: it's more like research based and very more like philosophical based on Cartini's thoughts. Mm-hmm. So it was less pop culturally and more like... and certainly
1: less conversational, right? Yeah. Oh. So
0: we'd also like to you know talk about based on that episode and what we know about Cartini and Cartini today and Cartini the movie, um, our thoughts based on that. So before we do that, here's last year's episode. Welcome to a Kartini Day special episode of Diagogika. I'm Stephanie.
1: And I'm Sweden.
0: And this special episode is one week ahead of our regular every two weeks publishing schedule, but we thought it's important to dig deeper into Kartini herself, what she said, what she thought, and her views on feminism in Indonesia.
1: And we're also going to introduce the amazing Eskatri Murti and talking about her legacy as an important Indonesian female hero as well of a later generation, And also letting her own words tell her story.
0: And taking this time and day and episode to really think about and talk about the struggles of women throughout time and history.
1: And reclaim Kartini Day for what it really should be. So, here's to it.
0: I'm gonna just jump right in and talk about Kartini's life in terms of dates and the things that happened to her. She was born on April 21st, 1879, the daughter of Raden Mas Adipati Aryo Sosoningrat, who is the Bupati of Jepara. Her father um, was actually one of the 80 native regents who held office in the Dutch colonial apparatus. And he exercised effective power in the area of Jabara, controlling the lives of the people who lived there.
1: So she was born into a noble and privileged family. Yes.
0: So that's why, I mean, her book is known as Letters to a Japanese Princess, right? Because Because she was. She was a Japanese princess. (laughs) Um, Anyway, her dad was actually also quite progressive for the time, and Katini became one of the first Japanese women to be educated by the Dutch system. So she um, was registered. In the Dutch school, where she was educated alongside other Dutch children and learned how to read Dutch and how to write Dutch at that time there. But by the time she was 12, or when she got her first period, Menzies, she was held back and sent back to the family.
1: Wait, Uh, her her father actually pulled her out of school, right? Yeah, her father pulled
0: her out of school because there's a long-standing tradition where noble girls had to be confined in the household compound until they get married.
1: It's like this preparation period where now that you're turning into a woman. Yeah. We're preparing into- you for the next stage in life for you, which is clearly only
0: Marriage. Marriage. Um until she was sixteen it was very, very restricted, right? Just because this confinement was absolute so she couldn't go to the market and be like, Hey, I'm gonna buy this and this
1: So and so, yeah. And yeah, it's a so- it's a long standing cultural tradition mm-hmm. as well. So it's even you're not just fighting your own family's wishes, you're fighting against an entire yes. tradition.
0: Yes, yeah, so everyone else who was in the relatively same privilege as her had to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so her dad actually relaxed a little bit by the time she was 16 and she was allowed occasional trips outside to special areas. And this was her life until in 1900s she met Rasa Abedanon Mandri, who was the Spanish wife of G.H. Abedanon, the Minister of Cultural, Religious and Industry the dutchies indies and this is when she started her long pen pal correspondence with her and as well as stella sihandelar which is how we know katili today is from her letters that she wrote to these two western women and this led to stella obtaining for her permission to come to holland and to study in holland but ultimately her beloved father's health turned for the worse in 1903 so she decided to comply with his wishes and the wishes of the family to get married Abedanon also tried to, you know, she also gave her a choice to come to Batavia to study. But ultimately, Katini chose to be the dutiful daughter and got married to Raden Adipati Joyo Adiningrat, a man with three living wives and six other children, but who had recently lost his chief wife. So she decided to get married in November of that year. And the following year, she died due to complications in childbirth when she was just 25.
1: Yes, dying in fulfilling the stereotypical wishes of the patriarchy
0: it's how symbolic that she would die in childbirth yeah but yeah that is the short and wondrous life of cartini
1: with a shout out for yes i know Uh, as she's getting married she's entering that system, right? The yeah. polygamous system within the nobility.
0: Yeah, and actually her letters became less frequent as well to Rosa and to Stella, and she would you know say, I'm sorry, I can't write to you as often as I used to because she was really busy um, being the head of an important household because being the chief wife. So what is meant by the chief wife in the Spreaii system? You had the chief wife who had dominion over the other wives, but the chief wife is the one with the highest noble lineage, so you know the highest ranking person, and then she can control the education and rights of the other wives and the other children. So the Cartini's mother was not the chief wife; she was a lesser wife, quote quote lesser wife, and. She also had another mom who she referred to as mom who was the chief wife.
1: So there's this like, hierarchical Dynamic. Uh, system even just yeah. amongst the wives. Yeah,
0: so I think a lot of Cartini's own writings also talked about how uh, women are used to oppress other women. And she was very cognizant and aware of that as well. So I just want to go into reading a few things that Kartini wrote by herself. So I actually found it really difficult to find the letters that she wrote. In the bookstore, I went to Karmedia. I went to Tokugunu Agung, and mostly they ran out of print.
1: Yeah, I tried too, it's not there.
0: <laughs> Which is kind of telling that yeah. the, old, the most known Indonesian feminist, we don't actually hear from her himself. So we yeah. thought it was an obligation on our part to show you guys what she actually wrote and thought. Like, directly from her.
1: Maybe those books will magically reappear on Cartini Day. No, Endless yeah, Aprega. so basically <laughs> they were
0: saying that um, it will be republished on uh, April.
1: But ideally, we don't. We shouldn't need a public holiday to read about somebody.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so um, this is one of her few letters to Stella's handler, and she said, talking about how she wanted to have a, more of an education and how she didn't really like the fate of Javanese women, she said... I would still go further, always further. I did not desire to go out to feast and little frivolous amusements. That has never been the cause of my longing for freedom. I long to be free, to be able to stand alone, to study, not to be subject to anyone, and above all, never, never to be obligated to marry. On other letters, while she was a little more pessimistic and just knew what was going to happen to her, which is she would have to get married... And she said in her own words, Nothing can be done about it. One fine day it will happen, must happen, that I will follow along behind an unknown husband. Love is a fairy tale in our Javanese world. How can husband and wife love each other if they only see each other for the first time when they are already well and truly bound in marriage? I will never, ever, ever be able to love and marry. So, There's this idea that she is caught in this tension between her tradition and her life has. She doesn't have a lot of choices because exactly because of her privilege, you know. And this idea that she doesn't like what she has to deal with, and somehow she'll have to do it anyway. And I think that's what's really powerful about Cartini's story. Actually, if we can, you know, take back and reclaim Cartini Day, Mm -hmm. this idea that like Cartini, a lot of women today have a lot of these barriers in a very different way. You know, I think some of our biggest barriers is actually the love and the family that we have and the cultural traditions. It's not that we're not allowed to vote anymore. We don't have property law or any of that. But this idea that social constructs and social conditioning has made our lives more difficult to do what we want to do with our lives.
1: And often these kind of pressures are not coming from a place of malice. It's just... The compounding of
0: concern and love
1: concern and love that's been created within the atmosphere of stereotypical patriarchal systems yeah right
0: like what makes Cartini's life difficult is because she had a very very good relationship actually with her dad and she loves her dad very much and her dad loves her very much I had a conversation with my dad before and uh, we were talking with some of his friends and her, his friend told him that, you know, he doesn't want his daughter to go very far. He doesn't want his daughter to be educated abroad. Or And then my dad said, okay. And then his friend went home. My dad was, was really quiet and I was like, what's up? And he was sort of saying, I wonder how many women and how many daughters have been held back just because their dad loves them so much. I wonder if, you know, one of the biggest causes that doesn't allow women to do well and succeed is because the love of the father or the love of the family and the love of the daughter has for the family in order to preserve that bond I think a lot of women including myself even I have felt you know this idea that I need to compromise on what I want in order to keep my family closer together and just not to rebel too much in order to keep a happy dynamic within my family and I think a lot of women today have felt that so that's I think one of the primary uses Katini Day can be for you know like to talk about these issues with our family and say you know can is it possible that we can undo our social contract a little bit more every year you know
1: or at least recognize it because the same kind of familial pressures that Cartini faces people oh. today women today still face listening back to it i felt like it was kind of depressing at certain
0: moments (laughs) (laughs) sorry listeners but at the same
1: time i also feel like the story itself was kind of depressing you know
0: yeah and again just to reiterate like part of why this title was called a reclamation a katini day special was this was also in reaction to the typical katini day celebration which is just women wearing nice batiks and wearing their hairs in a bun the traditional indonesian style Mm -hmm. and we thought like You know, reading Kartini, she was so much more than that. And she was so passionate and so thoughtful and just very intellectual that I think it's kind of an insult to her legacy to just reduce her name and date to something like this.
1: Yeah, literally reduce her to just this portrait of the perfect Javanese princess, right? Which
0: is the whole point of her rebellion, right? Like, this is the cause of resistance. Like, Uh she didn't want to get married. She wanted to go to Holland and, like, have, like, an awesome badass life but yeah. she wasn't able to do that so basically to turn Kartini Day into something so traditional into what she doesn't want to have is a complete insult to her legacy mm-hmm. and I think the new Kartini movie does try to have that a lot I think seeing the trailer there's the big part about how she had to learn how to kneel and prostrate herself in front of the bendoro or her future husband
1: mm-hmm. which was very classic aristocratic Javanese yeah. patriarchy right to briefly explain the upcoming Kartini movie that's going to be out on Kartini Day, arguably, I would call it a big commercial blockbuster movie. You know, not only is it starring Dian Sastro, who's like probably... The- Indonesia's
0: most famous actress.
1: So it's starring her. It's starring Reza Hadian, who is arguably Indonesia's most famous male actor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. also starring like senior actresses like Christine Hakim.
0: She's like the Meryl Streep of Indonesia. Yeah.
1: So it is a movie with big-name actors. Based on the trailer, at least, we've seen. Uh, high production quality. Yeah. Since the last Kartini movie that was ever done is in the 80s, mm-hmm. this is sort of like a big deal in that...
0: Refresh.
1: A, yeah, a big refresh. It's a big biopic. It's clearly targeted towards the mainstream audience rather than some sort of indie picture. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Hanung Bramantyo, who is a male Indonesian director, famously known for directing the movie Sukarno. As well as Prawu Kertas and Ayat <laughs> All of this
0: those. This is my condescending laughter. Because yeah, because they all, all of
1: suck. yeah, all of those movies aren't great. They just like they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel I mean, in terms of like Ayat
0: Gross. is probably one of Nisha's highest grossing movies. That's that's true, but it's also Co- trash.
1: Commercially, just it might trash. be successful, but it spreads the wrong kind of message you know it's about polygamy it's about
0: forcing a woman to accept polygamy it's not about polygamy forcing women to change her religion to accept polygamy
1: to literally change their entire lives in order to accommodate a man's desire to have more than one wife Yeah. You know? So it's, it's highly problematic. So it's
0: just like, how did this person who directed problematic movies become the director of this movie? Yeah.
1: Not only has he made problematic movies, in our opinion, he's also made statements that seems contrarian to all that Kartini stood for, you know? He's talked about, like, how this is a movie that is made for men to understand, you know, how to treat mm-hmm. their wives. And it just seems like, what a perverse way of...
0: Honoring her legacy?
1: yeah. It just seems like such a missed opportunity because both Stephanie and I watch the trailer and we think it's actually a pretty cool trailer. You know, we kind of have high hopes for it. But then once we dig deeper into the circumstances that brought this movie into play, we're like, oh, no.
0: This is what happens, I think, when you have a male director telling a woman's story.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like taking over the conversation again. And such a missed opportunity, right? The director that's the director
0: um to be fair he also said that he chose diane sastro because she is a feminist and someone who is very concerned about education but he also said like oh i appreciate diane because she's a pop cultural icon so to reduce her to become like a mother and like a person who's a pop culture icon who will help sell your movies just to me shows how out of touch you are with like feminism in general.
1: I read one of uh, Hanu's quote in which he said, "Not only is Dian beautiful, but she's also <laughs> smart and concerned about feminist issues." So I'm like, the first thing that you think about Dian Sastro is is beautiful, and I'm beautiful.
0: like, it is very ironic um, how Dian Sastro's a thesis or undergraduate thesis is on the beauty complex. <laughs> So Diane is actually a very smart Indonesian actress. She studied philosophy in the University of Indonesia.
1: Mm-hmm. and The best university in Indonesia. Yeah,
0: and um, she studied, I think, a lot of feminist philosophy as well from Gadis Arifia, one of... The founders of *Jurnal Perempuan*, the Indonesian feminist journal. Mm-hmm. She's credited a lot to like make feminism palatable to Indonesian audiences. Even though I think there are some criticism about how she's distanced herself from *Kartini Kandanga*, another topic that we've discussed on a previous episode. So she's not that into like activism for like the more controversial issues. Like
1: it's activism in the domestic space, right? Yeah,
0: I'm quoting from her, and this is from her press interviews, mm-hmm. um, last year on the Kartini movie. And when she was asked, what do you think of the conditions of Indonesian women today? And she said, which translates to? In general, Indonesia, there is no longer a big difference in how men and women are treated. They are equal. But what's important is how we can change people's mindset so that women are not oppressed. I do get the sense that she doesn't think She's more like Sheryl Sandberg, lean and feminist now. So it, she does think that you know women who are educated can be, you know, freed from their oppression without you know really realizing the differences in you know class privileges. So she's not really that intersectional feminist.
1: I mean, I think she's more interested in working within the patriarchy rather mm-hmm. than overturning the patriarchy yeah. or replacing the
0: patriarchy. It is well within Diane's rights to reclaim Gartini as a hero and you know act. interpretation of her but i think what this means is that you know we should have this movie as a hope for other women across indonesia who will see this movie to start to realize that they too can reclaim what kartini's legacy means to them Mm -hmm. and hopefully spark a new interest in learning about her and learning about other strong indonesian women and maybe even feminism as a way to really truly honor her legacy It's counterintuitive, but I'm actually going to recommend male authors, namely Pramodiana Daturs, Panggil Kartini Saja, as one of the better things to learn and read about Kartini because he really dug deep on the patriarchal roots and society of the Kartini's time and really goes really deeply into, you know, this idea of Kartini using literature as a limited means as a woman with no actual power to have some sort of Something she can control in her life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like he really is more of intersectional feminist in that sense, in that he addresses the problems of, you know, culture and education and class in this discussion about womanhood and like really talking about the kind of societal expectations placed on women as a stumbling block towards women's progress. Because when we're talking about Gardini, we were, when we're talking about Diane Sastro, It's kind of really unfair to talk about, you know, to think of Indonesia as an equal society right now. Mm -hmm. What's burdening women? It's societal expectations to become a mother yeah. and to become a wife and, to, you know, have to put all of this burden to be educated on herself. In our culture, we still live in a society where a man's education is prioritized over a woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always putting the burden on a woman to educate and you can liberate herself without, you know, really dismantling the economic patriarchal structure that's keeping women in place, yeah. right? So um, read him, read about intersectional feminism, learn more about you know, the intersection between class, education, and societal expectations of women, and really learn to become the woman that Cartini had dreamed to be.
1: Live the life that she wants to live, right? When you take that approach, that would be the best way of reclaiming her legacy.
0: Her vision for women in Nisha is much more visionary than just patting ourselves on the back and be like, we've done it. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. Uh, we hope you kind of took away something from it. As always, um, music credits to Jazz Art, Ryan Little, and Broke for Free.
1: And if you haven't followed us on YouTube, um, our latest channel... Uh, you should definitely follow Yes,
0: yeah. We're also still going to be on SoundCloud, but we want to uh, highlight YouTube a bit more.
1: And also, it's a lot easier, I guess, to listen on YouTube than, yeah. say, like, open up SoundCloud or, you know, go into iTunes and download the podcast. So we're trying to make it easier for you guys to to, listen.
0: Uh, to enjoy
1: the episodes.
0: Yeah. And once again, we always, always really want feedback. So email us at Podcast at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message or comment on YouTube.
1: And as always, uh, we'll have resources and links at our website, theologica.id. And
0: thanks so much for listening. Bye.